Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Moses' life is what we've been doing is we've been kind of viewing his life, looking at the different things that God's been showing and teaching Moses. And what we learned today is this big idea that Moses' life was marked by the presence of God. In fact, uh, we see Moses spending time with God more than anything else in Scripture. We see Moses constantly in conversation and relationship with God, and in the end, Moses was, listen, more concerned with knowing and experiencing God than he was going into the promised land. There's something Moses learned over his life that as I reflected back on the history of Moses, as Moses wrote the, the, the book of Exodus and the first five books of, the, of the, the, New Te- the Old Testament called the Pentateuch, Moses was the author. God, the Holy Spirit, led Moses to write these things down. And as we looked at last week, Moses wrote all about his weaknesses and his unwillingness. And he could have left all that out, but he wrote it down because the Holy Spirit wanted us to see that even when you and I are unwilling and even when you and I have sin or, or have shortcomings, in our lives, God is still trying to talk to you and, and, and speak to you and wants to fulfill his purposes through you, even in your brokenness. And we look back and realize that there came a point in Moses' life where Moses was more concerned with being in relationship with God than he was concerned with getting to the destination God had for him. He was more concerned about, what it, what it, about being in a daily intimate relationship with him and more concerned about God being with him and more concerned about hearing his voice and more concerned about being right with God and more concerned with being intimate with the living God. He was more concerned with knowing God and being in a relationship with God than he was getting to that thing, that ministry or that marriage or that relationship or that promotion or whatever your promised land is. More important than that healing, more important than that... That, that, that loneliness going away, more important than having that thing that I always wanted, more important than the end goal, Moses realized that knowing Jesus, knowing God is actually the point. It's actually the destination. That, 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 that you'll see today that, that we have the potential of missing it. That we can experience the blessing of God. We can experience the favor of God. Why? Because he's good. But we can still miss it. You could be experiencing the blessing and the favor of having a relationship with God right now, but not realize that you're actually missing out on the point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say this from the get-go. The goal of your life is not to get to the destination. It's not to get to the healing. It's not to get to the relationship. It's not to get to that job. It's not to get to the next place, to the promised land. The purpose of your relationship with God is to know Jesus, is to experience Jesus, is to have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe God is delaying the season so you will figure that out. It's not about the job. It's not about the house. It's not about the thing. It's not about the tomorrow. It's not about those things. It's about knowing Jesus. 
Say, God, why aren't you doing it? Well, because I want you to know me, son. But God, I want that, but I want you to know me, son. But God, I really want that relationship, but I just want you to know me, daughter. But, but I really want to go there. I want this ministry to thrive. I want this business to thrive. Well, I want to bless you, and I will bless you, but that's not the point, because you're going to get there and realize that doesn't satisfy me either. The promised land never satisfies. Only Jesus does. So we look back on Moses' life and realize that this guy had to be trained and taught. He started his journey wanting to be the redeemer of Israel. He started his journey, as you remember, going out and killing this taskmaster because he thought that, man, maybe this is gonna fulfill God's purpose and bring me fulfillment. And he went out, killed this Egyptian guy, went out the next day and they all rejected him. They didn't want him. They said, oh, you're gonna kill me like you killed the Egyptian, as you remember. Moses then realized that uh, everything he did didn't really satisfy and that he thought it was going to be great and he ended up realizing that it wasn't what God wanted at all. So he left Midian, and, or I'm sorry, he left Egypt and he ran to Midian and there in Midian he found great purpose. He met a wife, God, even in, he was a murderer and God still blessed him, hallelujah. He was a sinner and broken and God still in his confusion and didn't know where to go, God still said, all right, I'm going to bless you with a woman because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's the second time, dear me, today. Come on, he who finds a great relationship, and come on, you know what, Moses? I know you, 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 you took matters into your own hands, and I know you ran away from, from this situation a little bit. I know you kind of stumbled into Midian, but it was my doing, and now you got a wife, and now you got kids, and now for 40 years you got a great, great career, and things are great. You don't hear anything about Moses' life for 40 years. Why? It was boring. There was nothing to talk about, and Moses was happy as a peach. I ain't got no problems. Things are fine. I got a wife. I got kids, but now God's calling me to go do this thing, and as God's called me to do this thing, Moses is thinking, finally, I don't want to go. I finally reached the destiny of, that I wanted. Things are finally good, and now God's calling me to go. I don't want to go. No, God. And we looked at how Moses started his journey being in the presence of God, but being unwilling to go. And then... God began to change Moses, and Moses started wanting to go. Now Moses wants to lead the people. Now Moses wants to go to the promised land. Now Moses wants to go to that destination. Finally, he's beginning to get it and feel like he sees the purposes of God for his life. But then he realizes later on that the purposes of God for my life are not the purpose of my life. The purposes of God for my life are the byproduct of the purpose for my life. The purpose of my life is to know Jesus. Amen. And the purpose of my life is to grow in understanding and knowledge of his character and his nature. And through that, the purpose, the promised land happens. We look back on his life and we see that Moses, after chapter 7, began to have a yes in his heart. And we see this pattern very clearly in scripture where Moses would spend time with God and he would argue with God. And talk with God and he would listen to God and he would receive instructions from God and he was angry at times and unwilling and God was angry at times and unwilling and there was this constant back and forth we see the the, the beautiful relationship that God had with this almighty creator Elohim El Shaddai God and we see it in scriptures in Exodus chapter 19 exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt they they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai and after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. And then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. Now, it took about, it was a four-hour round trip, this whole mountain situation. And so Moses climbed for an hour and a half just to get to where we experience today. And Psalms 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? This is what they're talking about. 
He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up their soul to an idol. That's what David wrote about Moses. Who can climb this mountain? He had to climb this mountain to be in the presence of the Lord. And it says, the Lord called to Moses from the mountain. So Moses walks up to the top of this mountain, about an hour and a half climb. He gets to the very top of this mountain, this two-hour hike, gets up there, and God begins to call Moses. Moses, come and be with me. Moses, come and spend time in my presence. And we see just a few verses later on the morning, on the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on that mountain and there was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. And Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain and all the Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in, in the form of a fire and the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. And as the blast of the ramstorm grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. This happened eight times in this passage of two chapters. Or mountain would, Moses would climb the mountain of the Lord to be with God and then come back down and climb the mountain of God and then come back to the point where finally Moses got up to the top of the mountain and God said, hey, go down there and tell them this. And God, but Moses says, God, I already told them this. Don't make me go down again. Like, don't make me hike down there again. The work that Moses went through to begin to learn what it would require to be in the presence of a holy God up and down the mountain to stand. And in six days, he had to stand outside as the billow of smoke rested upon the mountain. And finally, as he stood there, God would call out to Moses. Chapter 24, verse 15, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. And for six days, the cloud covered the mountain on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud and to the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain and then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain and he stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights Moses spent over a month in the dense glory cloud of God's presence he was in this place where he began to see the, the, the scripture teaches us as he was in the cloud, he saw the picture of what the tabernacle will look like that they will build. And in this place, God gave the commands of the, of the, of the 10 commandments and the laws of Moses. And in this mountain, in this, God began to speak to him and, and begin to share with him the reality of what is what heaven is going to look like. But here's just a picture and you're gonna build this tabernacle and the people will come into my presence and I'm gonna be in the very center of the people of God and I'm going to build this tabernacle and no longer are you going to have to climb this mountain. You're just going to be right in the very presence of God, right in the middle of this place. And so people can stand around the very temple and the sanctuary of heaven and look as the smoke and the fire rests upon the tabernacle. And Moses is experiencing the glory of God. He's experiencing something powerful. And as Moses spent time in the presence of God, he began to realize that even though these things are beautiful and even though God is doing incredible things. I don't just want to know the works of God. I want to know God. I don't just want to know what God can do for me. I want to know the God who does these things for me. 
He began to realize that there was more to this journey than just a destination. God wanted to have a personal and real and intimate relationship with God. And this is where things took a turn. Moses was, and God were good. The people of Israel, even though they were a bit, if I can say this, kind of like idiots a little bit, you know, they were really, they were kind of honoring and obstinate at times. God continued to be faithful and slow to anger and quick to compassion. And he was loving and kind and, and, and he constantly was showing his love and looking past their sin. And he still showed up and he still provided manna. He still provided quail. He still provided protection. Even though these stinking people kept saying, God, why are you doing this to me? God continuously loved and cared for and was patient with these stinking people who God could have taken out like boop, like that. He said, I love you, even though you drive me crazy. I love you, and I want you to be in relationship with me. And he began to show his love for them, but they did something that really upset God. While Moses was in the presence of God, experiencing the outpouring of his spirit, seeing things about God that no other man on earth had seen. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights, these obstinate people, these followers of God, these disciples, these followers of Yahweh, Jehovah God, who have been led out of Egypt across the Red Sea and been provided for, said, Moses, this, this Moses has taken way too long up there with God. In fact, you know what? Let's choose a new leader and a new God. Let's find someone else to follow. Let's find a new God because, you know, this God's done good things and it's great, but let's just find another God who will provide the same blessings in my life. Maybe a God that isn't so needy. <laughs> Maybe a golden calf. How about that? Aaron, like the great leader he is, is like, okay. <laughs> Aaron's like, under the pressure, this is the difference between a, a man of God and a, a man of the people. A man of God will say things that people don't like. A man of the people will say things that people like. And Aaron said, oh, wow, okay, well, I don't want you to stone me, and I really want you guys to like me, so, hey, bring your gold over here, and let's make a golden calf. And they built a golden calf. And they said, Aaron, you're our leader. And they begin to pray to this golden calf and do all sorts of pagan revelry around this golden calf. And yet, the whole time, God is up with Moses trying to meet with his people. He's making a plan. God, I don't want you to meet on the mountain anymore, Moses. I want to bring my presence down to the people. And they're up top having a great time. Moses is like, okay, God, the people are going to love this. And but finally, God's like, listen, Moses. <laughs> He's like, these people, they're literally down there right now just doing their own thing. They're down, even, even though they say they're followers of me, they're down there worshiping other gods, following a different leader, because all they ever wanted was the promised land. They never wanted me. All they ever wanted was either Egypt or the promised land, but don't give me the process. Don't give me the in-between of life. Don't give me the spot when it's hard. Don't give me the season where I have to rely on you, God. I don't want to actually have to trust in God. I just want to get there. Or I just want to go back. I don't like this in-between. So they said, you know what? Let's just get a God who's going to get us there quick. And so finally God said, you need to go down there and deal with these stinking people because they are driving me crazy. So Moses goes down and he's ticked. He's so ticked, he took the first Bible and ripped it apart. <laughs> Ten Commandments. He takes out the Ten Commandments and is like, Craw! like the power team. You don't know who that is. Anyone know who the power team is? Anybody? 
come on now, power team. If you don't know the power team, it's because you're a new believer or you weren't weird like me watching that. These are these really buff guys who would rip Yellow Pages books and bend bars and like, that's what, that's what Moses did. He came down, he was like, crap, you guys are ridiculous. What's wrong with you? Has God not been faithful to you from the beginning, from the time he called you, he's with you, you've rebelled and he's with you, you've turned away from him and he's with you, he's been faithful to you. You know what? I'm gonna make you drink this idol. See, grind this idol down to powder, poured it in a bunch of water and made them all drink it. I don't know why, but it's just like, I don't know what to do. Hey, we're gonna drink this sucker and you're gonna pee it out and poop it out, all right? So they start drinking it. They're like grinding it down and drinking it. And Moses is like, man, God is not happy with you guys. So here we are in this story where Moses is learning that this journey is less about the destination and more about God. And he's gonna get us to the promised land. You need to understand that. You need to hear me today. If you remain, if you remain a follower of Christ and, and ardent to his word and listen to his promises, you need to hear me today. The issue isn't whether or not you're going to arrive in the promised land. You say, God, am I ever gonna get there? Yeah, he, you're gonna get there. Just chill out. But the point isn't getting there. In fact, the more you take your time to rest in, with God and be with him and read his word and be intimate with him and worship him with all your heart, the more you lay down sin in your life, the more you allow that conviction in your life to actually come into actual lifestyle. And you start saying no to the things of this world and yes to the things of God. Guess what? That's actually a faster track to the promised land than you trying to do things on your own. So we see that Moses now comes down, he's upset and God comes back to the people. This is what God says. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Notice the language here. I want you to really notice the language. Leave this place. You and the people you brought out of Egypt. Go up to the land of promise, to note to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people. I'm just worried I might destroy you on the journey. He says, listen, I'm such a good God, I'm still gonna get you that relationship. I'm such a good God, I'm still gonna bless you. But I ain't going with you. You can have the promised land. You can have that relationship. You can have that career. You can have that next step. You can have the thing that you always wanted, but you ain't gonna have a relationship with me. I'm gonna give you what you asked for. Now, we all know that when they got to the promised land, there were some challenges that they needed God for. Don't you remember? So I'm gonna give you what you want, but you need to know this. Because you chose the promised land and the destination over a relationship with me, I'm not going with you. Moses is, the the people here are are absolutely shocked. Moses in this situation remembers that, man, God, you're so faithful that he kept his promise to the the God of covenants. He said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because of them, I'm gonna keep my word. I made a promise to them, I'm gonna fulfill it. And I will fulfill it, but I need you to know, even though I'm gonna fulfill that promise in your life, there is a rift in our relationship. There is a barrier in our relationship. Here's the challenge we face today. Many of us are on the journey towards our promised land, but we have a barrier in our relationship with God. 
We've allowed other things to lead us. We've allowed idols in our lives. And we think, man, life's good. Well, yeah, it's because God's good. But I need you to hear me. When a time comes where you need God to lead you, you will realize very quickly what life looks like with God and without God. He says, if I stay around these people, my righteous anger can't handle their sin. In fact, I will probably destroy them. In fact, God in this situation wanted just to deal with Moses. Moses, I'll start a whole new offspring through you. So God was concerned he would be so angry. He did this with Uzzah, remember, when the people of Israel were bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and Uzzah was carrying the, the, the cart, and the Ark of the Covenant began to slip off, and Uzzah reached out and touched the Ark of the Covenant, and he died on the spot. Well, God, why would you do that? Well, because no sinful person can be in the presence of a righteous God without the covenant blood of Jesus Christ. So Uzzah was there and reached out and touched. He said, why would you do that? That is absolutely not fair. Well, God is a holy God. You might not like it, and I might not like it, but he's a holy God. And if we don't have the active blood of Jesus working in our life and repented of our sin and right before the Lord, he's a holy God. And there are consequences for our sin in our lives. The reality is this, is that God, all throughout Scripture, shows us that we could live under the blessing of God but be missing the very presence of God. Look what it says. David said this in Psalms 5.11. A murderer and an adulterer said, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So that means there is a potential for that. In the scripture, we see the people responded and they were clueless. Look what they said. Well, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are stiff-necked people. And if I were to go with you for a, even a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites strip off their ornaments to, uh, on Mount Horeb. They, they took off their ornaments, which was a sign of repentance. God said, you better repent. You better take this off. Because you know what? If you don't, if you don't take off the things that I've given you to bless you, I just might destroy you. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. We see that Moses recognized what was going on. But do you want to know ultimately what it meant for God to say he's not going to go with his people? God had just given Moses the layout of the tabernacle. What this meant is this. He said, I'm not going to go with you, but you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to send an angel in front of you. So these people are thinking, okay, God, you're not going to lead me. An angel's going to lead me. And while they're thinking that, the reality is this. God is saying this. I will not tabernacle among you like I had planned. I'm not going to be in your midst like I had planned. An angel will lead you. You're going to go. But I had intended to bring my very presence to the very center of your community and in your life. But now I'm not going to be able to do that because of this area of sin in your life. And Moses recognized what was going on. And Moses stepped into action. And when Moses wrote this portion of scripture, he wrote the verse 1 to 6 and then 12 and beyond. There's a little context in between. Moses takes a pause and says, I need you to understand what I did to salvage this situation. Look what the scripture says in verse seven. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. 
Moses immediately when he realized that there was a disconnection from God, immediately realized that he was no longer going to be in the presence of God. When he immediately realized that things were not going as he thought they were, that the people were more focused on the destination than they were at God, having a relationship with God. Moses ran out and he grabbed his own tent and made his own place to meet with God. God never commanded him to do it. God never led him to do it. There was no, God didn't say, go take your tent and build a tent. He just saw what he saw in the very presence of God and said, okay, well, I got my my crummy little dirty tent. I'm going to pick up my crummy little dirty tent. I'm going to set it over here and I'm going to go into that place because I need the presence of God. I recognize that there is no other answer to this future. There's no other answer to this predicament. There's no other answer to my life. There's no other answer to the, the, the situations I'm facing. There is no other answer. There's nothing else I can do other than run to the very manifest presence of God. And the scripture says that when Moses ran to that place, very clearly Moses went into the tent, this measly nasty old tent with a broken leader who was hurting and broken and insecure and the pillar of the cloud came down and stayed at the entrance well the Lord began to speak with Moses the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend the cloud descended on this little tent the only thing inside this tent was a broken confused and hurting leader it wasn't beautiful. There was no gold. There was no covenant box. There was nothing supernatural other than a broken heart. There was nothing special about this tent. There was nothing special about the poles or the fabric. The only thing that was special was the person inside it said, God, I care more about you than I do about my blessing. I care more about you than I do about the destination. I care more about you than I do about you answering my prayer. I care more about you than you healing my body. I care more about being in a relationship with you. And Moses fell to his knees and the presence of the living God came down upon him that day. You remember what God's, that David said about this very thing in Psalms chapter 51. You did not desire a sacrifice or I would offer it you don't want a burnt offering to the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit you will not reject broken and repentant heart oh God Moses found himself in this little tiny tent crying out to the people. God was angry, and yet God still met with Moses. God was upset, wanted to destroy the people, yet God still met with Moses. Why? Because Moses realized that nothing is more important on this planet than knowing God. There is nothing more important on this planet, not career, not money, not relationship, not future, not purpose, not the next step, not what's going on in your life. Nothing matters more than knowing Jesus, our creator, and having an intimate and personal relationship with God. Moses realized this, and he went into the presence of God, and look what he says. He said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, and finally I'm doing it. Now let me know whom you'll send with me. You've said I know you by name, and you found favor with me you're pleased with me look at this teach me your ways so that I might know you what do you think Moses could have prayed for at that moment you know God like I'm really worried that they're not they're gonna stone me because I'm not a good leader or hey God like I haven't been speaking very well can you hey God I really want to get to that promised land like you know it sounds pretty sweet that house you talked about I could get Moses didn't come before him and say God will you please fulfill your promises for my life he came to say God I just want to know you 
I know this is confusing, God, and I know this is frustrating, and I know you're upset with the people. God, and I know you, I know it, but God, my only request and my only prayer in this moment where you're going to destroy the entire people of Israel is this one thing. God, I want to know you. I want to know your presence. I want to know your, 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 your personality. I want to know who you are. I don't want to just know the works. I just don't want to know the blessings. I don't want to just know the gifts. I want to know you. The promised land's beautiful, and I will leave it. I will not go forward unless you go with me. And look what he says. The Lord appeared to Moses and said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses responded, if your presence does not go with us, do not set us up from here. Look what, the, look what Moses is saying. And I need you to catch this. Hear me. He's saying this, God, take the promised land. I'd rather live in the middle of the desert on quail and manna if I get to be with you. God, take my future promotion. God, take my healed body. God, take that future career. God, take that relationship that I want. God, I would rather not have those things if it meant I could grow in an intimate relationship with you right here because this is more valuable and more important than where I'm going, than what I will receive, than the things that I will get. God, I just want to know you. God, I just want to understand your presence. And finally, God says, fine, I will go with you. And Moses took it even farther. He said, God, I've spent months in your presence. Will you please show me your glory? I want more. I'm not satisfied. I've spent 50, 60 days, literally the manifest presence of God. And God, my only request is I just want to know you. My only request, God, is will you pour out your spirit so strong in my life? Will you come to me like you met me in that bush moment back in the day in Exodus chapter 3 when I experienced your presence? God, show me your glory. God, do something in my life. God, transform me. God, I don't care about the rest. God, I don't care about the riches. God, I don't care about the future. I just want you. This is what we learned through the life of Moses. Moses was a great leader, and Moses was a man of God, and Moses was unwilling, and Moses had all sorts of insecurities in his life. And the one great thing he learned is that God makes a way for those who love him. Look at Romans chapter 8 says. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him he will work this out he will bring breakthrough he will bring that relationship God will make a way but the scripture is very clear God makes a way not because he just wants to bless you though he does he loves blessing you God makes a way because he knows you God makes a way because he's in relationship with you God makes a way because he knows what's best for you God makes a way because he cares for you. God makes a way because he's by your side. God makes a way because he wants an intimate relationship with you. He cares less about your success and more about your relationship. He makes all things good to those who love him. Moses, God responded and said, I'm going to do the very thing that you wanted me to do in your life. We see in several scriptures here in Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call upon him now while he is near. Psalms 27, 8, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, O my people. I've heard God in my heart. You ever felt that groaning in your spirit? That sense in your heart, like, man, I just feel, it actually feels like loneliness a little bit. 
Loneliness is often God's way of drawing you closer to him. So if you say, man, I'm so lonely, well then God, it's literally the Holy Spirit prompting you to spend time with him. He's heard my heart say, come and talk with me oh my people. My heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Psalm 63, one to five. Oh God, my God, how I search for you. How I thirst for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. How I long to find you. How I wish I could go into your sanctuary to see your strength and glory for your love and kindness are better to me than life itself. I praise you. I will bless you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. At last, I shall be fully satisfied. I will praise you with great joy. My full satisfaction doesn't come from the promotion and the career and the future and the promised land. It comes by being with my friend, the Holy Spirit. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. You want to experience the abundant eternal life that God has for you right now. It's through an intimate, epic and nosco, intimate, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why I wanted to share this today as we end this kind of lessons and next week we'll kind of look back. But as we end this time of looking that God will make a way, this is what I need you to walk away with. You, each of you here today are facing situations, some big and some small. It is our human tendency to focus on the outcome. When God says, I don't need you to focus on the outcome. I simply need you to focus on me. That is the whole objective of this whole entire life. There's nothing more than that. The, the, the blessings of our life, the children, the job, the success, the future, the promised land is simply because we are in relationship with God. And that's not the point. What Moses learned here was that, God, I just want to be in relationship with you. God, will you show me your glory? And that is my prayer today that as many of you have gotten so comfy in the blessings of God, comfy in the things of God, but come on, let's get hungry for the, the presence of the living God. Let's get hungry for more of God. Some of you have only said, man, I've experienced God in my life. I've seen him. I've experienced it. Well, I got to encourage you today. You've all, you haven't seen nothing yet. There is so much more. There's more revelation of the Holy Spirit. There's more revelation of Jesus. There's more revelation in his word there's more revelation for you and the way you're looking at me right now either you don't hear me or you're being convicted because I need to tell you today what you have now is not enough what you have now is not far enough no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him you are only coasted on the journey with God there is more to come there is deeper things there's higher heights there's deeper seas God wants to reveal himself to you afresh he just needs a broken and a contrite, repentant heart to say, God, I don't care about tomorrow. I want you today. I want your presence, God. I need you to transform me and change me and make me new, oh God. Lord, I pray for a hunger in the house of the Lord. I pray for a hunger in these people, oh God. Come on, just put your, close your eyes for a moment, God. I pray for a hunger. Lord, it's the biggest trick of the evil one to get his focus on everything else but God. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for a hunger. Would you place your hand on your heart for a moment, Lord? I pray for a hunger, Lord. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. God, I pray right now for a new hunger for the presence of the living God. Lord, a new hunger for the presence of the living God in our hearts, God. Lord, the Holy Spirit, that there would be a fresh touch of your spirit in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. There 
we would not be satisfied any longer with what we have. God, we'd be content but not satisfied. Content but not satisfied. And Lord, our cry would be, God, show me your glory like never before. I pray that even right now you'd burn away all the, the lies and the, 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 the perspectives that aren't of you. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now there'd be a fresh passion for the word of the Lord, a fresh passion for the word of God, that we would break out of our spiritual doldrums and our apathy, and we would say, God, I want you. God, I'm gonna build a tent for you. God, I'm gonna be in your presence like never before. God, we declare today, that we are not satisfied. Lord, we're thankful, but we're not satisfied. We're grateful, but we need more of your presence, Lord. But I just pray for those in the room who've had experiences in the past and they say, oh, the good old days. Come on, we're living in the good old days. Lord, for those in the, the room, God, have never experienced a touch of your spirit, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd come. Come on, if you've never received a touch of the Holy Spirit right now, I want you just to begin to open up your heart and mind right now, Holy Spirit. I pray a touch of your spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we receive you. Holy Spirit, we receive a touch from you. Holy Spirit, we need a fresh touch of your spirit. Our, our, our spirits are dry. Our, our, our hearts are dry. Our souls are dry. Lord, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, Lord, would you refresh our soul this morning? Would you refresh our heart this morning? Would you refresh our, our mind this morning? God, would you pour out your spirit right now? Lord, for those in the room that are hurting and broken, God, would you come, God, and meet with them like never before, oh God? Would you pour out your spirit upon us, God? Lord, would you minister to us, God, not like the days of old, but do something new. Do something fresh. Do something new in our lives. We pray for a fresh revelation of the Spirit of God upon our hearts and our minds. And as we worship you, God, I pray you'd pour out your Spirit upon all flesh in this place, oh God.